0: This is a Snow India production and you're listening to Deepari. Last September when we started Puri, our podcast on adoption We had started it with the intention of creating awareness and breaking myths around adoption. We are honored to have received so much love from all of you.
1: In Season 2 of Dear Pari, we will bring to you insights into NRI adoption, Adoption Trauma, Sibling Adoption, Adopting Children with Different Needs among other topics. A quick disclaimer, some of these interviews were recorded in November-December but continue to be very much relevant. Hi, I'm Priya.
0: And I'm Rakesh.
1: We are the hosts of Dear Pari, India's first narrative podcast on child adoption. This podcast is being brought to you by Sono India, a multilingual podcast platform for issues that matter. Any non resident Indian or overseas citizen of India, or let's say an OCI card holder living in a country which is signatory to the Hague Adoption Convention and wishing to adopt an Indian child can approach the Authorized Foreign Adoption Agency or the Central Authority concerned for preparation of their home study report and for registration with CARA. We reached out to Sarayu and Kashyap, an NRI couple living in the United States of America, to know more about the process. Please note that the process they talk about in the interview is applicable to USA. While some parts may apply for other countries, listeners are requested to check with the country of residence and CARA for correct procedure. You will also find additional resources on our website, sunoindia.in. Saryu and Kashyap have been living in Chicago for over two decades now. They're parents three children, two sons and a daughter.
2: Uh, I've always wanted to adopt a child. And so um, ever since I was uh, in school and in college in, in Chennai, and um, when I started dating Kashif, this was an idea I brought with him, and so he was completely on board, and we decided when uh, when we were ready to expand our family, we will have biological kids and definitely one more adopted child. And so we had... Um, our boys, Karan and Sean. And then we immediately started the process for adopting our daughter. And this was in 2014. So in 2012, our second son was born. And it, at that point, the rule was kind of that you have your child, your biological child in the house has to be at least a year old before you can even start the adoption process to adopt from India. And so we had to wait for a little bit till Sean turned two, uh, turned one. And then we started the process. Would you please tell us a bit about the
1: process that you have to follow to adopt?
2: So the way it works here in the U.S., you cannot directly approach Kara. We have to go through the adoption agencies here in the U.S. who um, work with CARA instead of uh, you working directly with them and so in um, 2000 so before 2014 you know we had to do a bunch of research as to who are the agencies here in the US who work with cara what is the uh, um, uh, kind of uh, reviews on them and and that was kind of hard because there really at that point there really wasn't that much information uh, on adoption agencies especially adopting from india and and before that, a lot of agency, agencies had stopped their adoption process from India because the waits were so long that they um, the agencies just didn't want to work with Indian adoptions anymore. So for the longest time, all of the India adoptions had have come to a halt. Um, and so later on in 2013, 2014, agencies had started working with India again, and that's when we um, started our process. And after a lot of background research, um, we decided to go with uh, IFS. Uh, We have to get um, clearances from federal government. We have to get clearances from the uh, uh, local police stations. We have to get our fingerprinting done. Um, And so all of that kind of constitutes our home study here, uh, which our agency in Chicago did. And then we sent that to the main agency, IFS, International Family Services. And then IFS will then go over all of that, and they, in turn, will register us with CARA. So as you can imagine, it took us a while to get all of this done. Um, And so even though we started the process in 2014, in summer of 2014, by the time we had all of this done, the registration didn't happen till uh, summer of 2015. And there were a few other hiccups in between which we will talk about as we uh, keep moving forward.
1: So in terms of identifying the right agency, could you sort of tell us how you did that and sort of like what are the parameters that made you choose IFS?
2: So a big part of it was actually um, looking at the references and actually talking to the agencies themselves. So, you know, I would pretty much go online and literally started off with a Google search like, Indian um, adoption agencies that work with India and then you get a bunch of numbers you get a bunch of agencies and so the first thing I would do is I would actually call these agencies and see what their program is like and see you know certain things in place do they let us have contact with the um, uh, with the orphanage or you know how proactive they are in India itself and and, and, and some of the other things was actually getting references from other parents who have worked with these agencies. So, you know, we would we would tell our friends, you know, we're thinking of adopting and they would say, oh, we know about this parent who's adopted. Maybe you want to connect with them. So we connect with them, find out about their agency, see what their experience has. What was lacking at that point was a support group, um, an online support group that actually helped prospective parents with the agencies and the kind of questions they should ask the agencies before they actually sign up with that agency. Um, we have something like that now here. It's a Facebook group, and that um, is incredibly helpful. But when we started the process, that unfortunately was not there. So a lot of this we had to do on our own and which, like I said, was basically just calling of the agencies and talking to other parents who've been through with these agencies. And and
0: also I think when we started the process, we had selected Holt or we were looking at Holt, right? Early on. And then uh, they stopped India adoptions at some point during the process. And then we switched to IFS later. We had not started anything with Holt, but then we, we had to change anyway. And then the other thing that happened was just before our adoption got finalized, ifs which was our agency lost accreditation so all these agencies have to be accredited i think by the uh, by the hay yes. uh, mm-hmm. and, and so they lost accreditation and because of that everything came to a standstill and honestly we had no idea that there was such a thing called accreditation and we had to you know ask questions about this and all that so so we got transferred to a different agency Right at the very end of our adoption uh, process, which was also another uh, twist and and, and, and kind of complication in the whole process.
2: And even in addition to IFS losing their accreditation before that, um, the home study agency in Chicago, which did our home study, also lost their accreditation and they stopped all of their um, 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 adoption cases. So it was just it almost was like we were kind of jinxed. First, it was our home study agency losing their accreditation. Then it was like our main adoption agency losing their accreditation. And all of this was, you know, um, delayed the process, an already long process even more.
1: Could you tell us a bit in terms of, I know you mentioned it about your home study uh, report, uh, but could you sort of take us through the kind of questions they pose to you?
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, so the first thing that, that happens in the home study is, they, you know, come and physically visit your house and check out all the rooms and do a walk, out, a walk around the home. Uh, you know, look at various things, some some pretty bizarre things like they check the temperature of the water to make sure you have hot water in the house.
2: Or not too hot water. Or, or <laughs> not too
0: hot water, no, not too hot. They check, uh, you know, the size of the house to make sure you can accommodate an extra child. And all that. So they do a walkthrough. Then during the same uh, period, when they come home, they also interview you. So they interview each individual, meaning the, the prospective father and the prospective mother um, independently interview. Of course, you're sitting next to each other, but they're asking you know each of you questions about why you want to adopt. Um why you want to um, you know adopt from india and and what is the motivation and and so on and so forth so so a lot of questions relating to your your uh, you know background and what you do but also your reason for adoption um so that is the the first step in the home study process then they also um, you know call you into their offices um, and they have you know one-on-one interviews with you, each parent separately uh, so that they can, you know, understand where each person is coming from, um, each individual parent is coming from. So then apart from that, there is a whole um, stack of, of forms and and things that need to be filled out. It's probably like a, like a book. So probably if you stack it all up, it's like six inches uh, worth of like paperwork, everything from, uh, you know, financial statements, Uh, your bank bank account uh, details your investment details so everything related to your finances Uh, then your your medical records uh, and how healthy you are all that then your there's something called a police verification where you have to go to the police station and get a certificate that you know you're not a criminal and you don't have any indictments and so on um, then your your background from education and forms and uh, certificates related to that. Uh, so pretty much anything you can imagine that uh, is related to your life, you have to make a copy of the originals and then attest it, uh, so, uh, notarize it. And also there's something called apostilling, which we had no idea what it was. But uh, once all the documents are notarized, then you take the do- notarized documents to the government officials in the city and they put a special stamp uh, validating that the attestation is, is is real and the notary who did the attestation is a valid notary. So that is a, another extra step. So, so that that whole thing took us a good, I don't know, four months to do all that.
2: And in addition, it's not just related to Kashyap and me. Um, they actually came and spoke to the boys as well. And, you know, Karan, my oldest at that point, he was seven years old, and he had to write a letter out saying that he was fine with us adopting a baby girl. And then they wanted something in writing from our three-year-old at that point, which was almost ridiculous, I thought, because he could not write then. So the social worker was, oh, he can just scribble whatever he wants. So my three-year-old just drew a picture of a train, and we had to go get that picture of a train notarized and apostilled and send that to Kara as well. And so all of these details we thought was a little unnecessary, but it is what it is, and it's what we did. Oh, and then I mean, the other part was also, you know, they also needed to get a blood test done. They also needed, you know, made they had to go through the whole TB test, both the boys. And you know, honestly, that was that was also not very easy because we had to have these boys draw blood to test for lead and have all of that as part of our medical records as well. So it
0: <laughs> wasn't so, an easy so process. So that, that was the home study process, and <clears throat> probably one complication that happened that is worth calling out. When we submitted the home study, um, we had also mentioned in our home study that, you know, because they asked for all kinds of details, as you can imagine. We mentioned that we have a nanny who comes home to take care of our kids because both of us work. Um, and so because of that, we our process slowed down because what they said was they wanted a uh, letter... From the nanny, and they wanted to uh, uh, interview her, as well as they wanted to get her fingerprints. Um, so, so that was also something that that happened and slowed down the process. Of course, we had also got to give fingerprints initially as part of our home study, but even our nanny had to do that.
2: So what was very annoying is, um, we are totally okay with our, and our nanny was totally fine with getting her fingerprinting done and being interviewed and all of that because she is, she's been with us since our first child was born and is almost family. But what was very annoying is the fact that we were not told about this before. So it seems like there's almost, a lack of communication between the federal government, the state government, the adoption agencies, the social service agencies, that there is nothing cut and dry as to what is really required. And so the instructions say any family member who lives in our house, and our nanny does not live in our house. So we thought, you know, we don't really need her to be there as part of the um, uh, dossier. But then the federal government came back and said, no, um, because she will be taking care of um, Kavya as well, we definitely need her uh, interview and her fingerprints as well, which is kind of, you know, I don't know how, how sensible that is because this process has been going on for three years and moving forward, there is no guarantee whether a nanny is gonna stay with the family, what the future uh, caregivers are. And so so, you know, all of that again was a little annoying.
1: Um, When you were uh, in the process, uh, was psychological evaluation mandatory as it is now? Uh,
2: No, it wasn't because um, uh, that happened after the whole um, Sharon Matthews case. And so that has only been in the past year or so. So we didn't have to go through the psychological evaluation in 2015 and
1: 2016. Um, So once you were registered with Cara, um, were you getting any sort of like updates uh, regarding like seniority or was was that thing not even something that was applicable to you guys? Like, did you have any sort of access to information in terms of, you know, in how many months or, you know, um, when you might get your child home?
2: No, I mean, everything went through our adoption agency. Um, and to be honest, we didn't even know we could do that. And again, like I said, there was such a lack of communication. The adoption agency was not very open. And because they were going through all of their accreditation problems, you know, they were lagging behind in what they were supposed to tell us. So we um, we actually didn't know anything about what our status was in Kara or any of that. And uh,
1: so when were you eventually matched with your daughter and when did you bring her home? I know you said December 2017, but when were you eventually matched with her?
0: So um, I think roughly in in, uh, March, April of 2016 is when we were matched. And at that point, we were sent uh, two bios of two kids um, from different orphanages in India. And we were sent, you know, uh, probably three or four pages of of background information, whatever was available and and related bios and also pictures. Um, I think either one or two pictures. And based on that, we had to make a decision. So we had to either uh, select one of the children or we had to, you know, reject both. Um, If we had rejected both, we would be back to the bottom of the line in terms of the waiting so, um, you know, we, we, we selected one of them. And then at that point, the whole um, process of, you know, finalizing the the court uh, ruling and, and, and all of that kicked off. Um, and we finally, you know, went through that, that whole process and then finished the uh, adoption in November, December of 2016.
1: Once you get a referral, do you have to stay a few months in India or is the process fairly straightforward and quick in that sense? So could you sort of tell us um, in terms of the code dates and, and so on, how does it how does it go for NRA parents?
2: So once we are matched, end of um, March, we decided we picked one of the bios we were given. And so we sent that to our agency and the agency now reports back to Kara and says this and we are given um, 30 days to say yes or no. And then we, once we say yes, they give us more information from the orphanage. And then once we say yes, this is the child, they will then report that back to Kara. And that happened in like a month or so. So then Kara will move forward in terms of they now have to give us something called an NOC called the No Objection Certificate. So, Kara will then look at our dossier that we had submitted earlier and say, okay, is this family fine for this particular child? Is this what they want? Is this what the child needs? And then they will give us this no objection certificate. And so the no objection certificate um, we got in a few months.
0: Sarayu also briefly took us through the immigration process. When an NRA couple want to adopt from India, they have to inform the government about this and then begin the process of obtaining an immigration status for the child. Only once they get the approval can the child get legal immigration status and in their case get U.S. citizenship.
2: So while we are going through all of our home study and dossier and getting approved by the federal government and the state government, we are also working on the immigration process for the child. So we um, are applying, We what we do is we are applying saying that We are adopting a child and we want um, immigration status for a child that we plan on adopting. And then we get approval from the U.S. government saying, yes, when they adopt a child, this child can come into the U.S. and be a U.S. citizen because one of us is a U.S. citizen. One thing we forgot to mention is when you are adopting a child from India, one of the parents has to be a U.S. citizen. And I think this relates to the immigration process, because when you bring an adopted child to the U.S., that child will automatically become a U.S. citizen when he or she reaches the U.S. because one of the parents is a U.S. citizen already. So while we are waiting for um, the no objection certificate from Kara from the immigration side now, we have put a new paperwork saying, remember the approval that you um gave us for a child. Now that approval needs to be for a specific child because we have identified the child. So all of that paperwork is happening simultaneously here in the U.S. side while the NOC is being um, handled by Kara. So once we got the NOC, um, we were then given a court date. So our daughter is from Orissa And so we had to um, uh, get registered in a, a court in Koraput. And that happened in uh, September of 2016. And then we had, once we were registered in September, we had three court dates in October. And basically one court date was to just to listen to the case. Um, The second court date was, um, I think, for for the the judge to get more details um, about our case. And then the third court case was when they said, yes, um, it's, the adoption has been finalized and um, we are now officially our daughter's parents. And,
0: and we did not need to be there for the court cases. So we were actually not physically there. So all of this was, was happening, uh, you know, in the orphanage, the, the leadership of the orphanage there, the director, he was handling all of that. Uh, so I think one of your other questions was how long do we were we in India to finish the adoption and all that? Uh, actually, not very long. Uh, so once the court case was done and you know everything was finalized, uh, the the other step was they needed to apply for an Indian passport uh, because the the our daughter did not have a passport. So they finished the passport application, and once the passport was received, which was the final step, we then bought our tickets to go to India and we finalize the, the uh, dates and all that. And, and pretty much we could have gone there and come back within a week. But, you know, since it happened right around the December holidays, we decided to extend and we stayed there. ended up staying in India for about a month. But effectively, we could have just gone there and come back within a week.
1: So in terms of uh, the court order, did that come to you immediately? And... Uh So it comes. So just to understand and like summarize what you were telling us before. So essentially, all the paperwork comes in and then the passport comes in. And that's when you you came to India to take um, Kavya home, right?
0: Correct. So the passport, the passport is the final step uh, because, you know, till the passport is done, you cannot take the child out of the country. Right. So the passport is the final step. And uh, before that, the court order. So the court order, I think it took about maybe, you know, a month um, month to six weeks after everything was finalized and the NOC was uh, issued by by, uh, CARA. Uh, And then soon after the court order, the um, orphanage director, he applied for the uh, passport And, and, and then the passport... Also was, I think, relatively quick in our case. So so we got a little bit lucky with the timing of the court order, timing of the passport. It happened quickly. then um, December, we went to get uh, Kavya.
2: But I also have to add, it's also possible that I wouldn't really call it luck because Mr. Behra was very, very supportive. And he was making sure that all of the passport applications was being done right. And he was definitely pushing the case forward. I've heard from a lot of other families where they've had a lot of bad luck with the passport application and the passports being taking a long time to come. So in our case, I I wouldn't really say we were lucky. I think we just had our um, orphanage director being very supportive of the process and making sure that it moved fast.
1: Um, I know you said that you have absolutely, I mean, you have very limited sort of, um, say, communication with Kara directly. Um, Right. So just in terms of understanding the process, was it fairly easy to understand and navigate or do you think something more can be done for NRA parents by um, Kara?
0: Yeah, I think um, you know the 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 problem is you're dealing with so many different entities, right? And I don't know if CARA alone can make the process easier. It's 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 very difficult because you have the U.S. agencies, both state and federal. You have immigration in the U.S. Then you have CARA. You have the orphanage. Uh, there are five or six different entities that you're dealing with, and then there's so many handoffs. So kara itself was was uh, I, I think you know more or less transparent i think the part which was a black box was while we were waiting for the actual match to happen we didn't know when it was going to happen and we were just guessing and then suddenly one day it happens once the match happens we we it was you know at least from a kara perspective it was more or less seamless the noc and all that uh, you know worked out worked out fine it was more the, the the rest of the work, the court order, the pay, the passport, um, and 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 all that that, uh, that that was more complicated.
1: Right. Um. Could you tell us uh, how much the entire process costed you?
0: Um. You know, I think uh, roughly about uh, start to finish, probably about forty thousand dollars. I think it's a it's a it's a stressful. Um, you know journey start to finish for sure Uh, you know the the the, the problem is there is no single place to go and understand or find uh, the entire process start to finish laid out so you don't know what to expect uh, tomorrow or the next week and you kind of find out new things along the way so it you know I think that that uh, is is unfortunately how it is and but then we we kind of we we applied and we knew that it was going to take 3 4 years and then we just forgot about it and then as things came up we 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 you know went through the the milestones and activities we needed to do we we tried to be unemotional and we tried to be not not have any expectations on when it's going to happen But then as we got closer, then, then, you know, obviously things started picking up.
2: Yeah. The longest part was the match. We had to wait nine months before we were finally matched. And nine months of, like, nothing happening. It was... You know, our paperwork was all done on our end. We had been registered, and all we had to do was wait for Kara to match us with a child, and that took nine months. And so that those that can be changed for sure. Like it shouldn't take you nine months to match a child with a potential family. And and Kashyap is right. Communication is key. I wish there was more resources, and I think you guys are doing a great job with regards to that. Just to have the whole process laid out, the um, the cost, uh, and you know, resources would be a great idea.
1: As always, I would like to thank Team Suno India for their support in putting together these episodes. Rakesh Kamal, our Production Lead for Editing. Tarun Nirvana, Digital Lead for Technical Support. Punika Balotra and Vaishali Pandian for Research and Reportage. Nikhil Rao of Indian Ocean for Original Music. And Priyanka Kumar for the incredible artwork. Before we end, we would like to tell you a bit about an upcoming podcast, The Lost Child on state of childcare institutions. Here's the trailer. Hi, I'm Padma Priya. Last year, I hosted Dear Pari, India's first podcast on child adoption. Oh my God, it was so nice. I can't tell you. Interviews are nice. It is nice to, you know, hear people talk directly from heart. And this year, I'm going to dig deeper to understand how and why children come into these shelter homes and how their lives are shaped here.
0: Now if a home has 50 children and uh, it's completely quiet, for us that was a concern.
1: This is Tariq, a researcher who last year blew open the lid to one of the most tragic scandals involving children living in a shelter home. What happens behind the walls of shelter homes for children in India? Who are these children who stay in these institutions for years together? We will ask these and more questions in this
0: podcast.
1: In days, star, Rai, We will also bring to you success stories of children who despite all odds went on to become superstars in their own right. Others who were restored with their families by authorities using technology and sometimes just by sheer luck. This is The Lost Child, a new podcast from Suno India which will highlight the significant gaps in childcare system in India and how the lack of accountability on part of state and central government Leaves children vulnerable to neglect, abuse, and long term separation from their family.